James chapter 1, verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And we covered that a little bit two weeks ago, but let me read that one more time. And I, I'm sorry for the screen. Everybody with camp is gone that works the, works, the, uh, works the sound booth. Even Scott had to do some extra work, and so hopefully he'll come in. And so we had to pull a reserve tonight and, uh, to push a button, but <laughs> she don't know how to do all that. So if you've got your Bibles, you can look at that. Uh, so then, my beloved brother, let every man be swift to what? Swift to hear. Be slow to... <laughs> it's hard for us to do sometimes, isn't it? And slow to wrath or get angry. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The wrath of man, the anger of man. Let's just, let's just add some other you know, adjectives to it, the frustration, the, you know, just your temperament, all of these things. It doesn't add to the righteousness of God. We'll just skip on down to verse 21. It says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. He looks into the perfect law of liberty, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious... And does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. That's pretty powerful words, isn't it? Pretty strong. Listen to this verse in 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit the orphans, the widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself spotted from the world. Isn't that amazing? If you have pure and unspotted and undefiled religion, does not mean... you that you, you, you are this way if you pay tithes. Now, you know, most of your preachers, they want you to pay tithes because it keeps things running. But in it, 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 it didn't say anything about that. It didn't say anything about your attendance to church or how you dress. Even though we know all those things are important, they all have a place. But if you want a pure and undefiled religion before God, the Father, then there's some couple of things you've got to be able to do. You've got to visit the orphans. You've got to take care of them. You've got to take care of the widows in their trouble and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. To keep yourself unspotted from the world. Our passage uh, tonight, James here in this last verse, verse 27, as we said, talks about what, we, what he calls pure religion. Everybody say pure religion. Not just religion, but pure religion. And he's describing those things that will lead us to live out, in other words, our call. He's describing these things that helps us to live out our relationship with Christ, or who we are as a Christian, to really sincerely be a disciple of Christ. Now, let me see a show of hands, because, and I want to see a show of hands because I want us to understand that we all have been in this boat before. How many of you have ever lost your temper before? Let me see your hand. Hold it up. Hold it up just a little bit because I think, I think everybody, maybe one or two that hadn't raised your hand, 
And God bless you if you if you if you're if you're just so gentle and meek. You know, we need to learn from you. But probably every one of us has has been there before. And so James here is is leading and, and, and giving us some things here that we can really tie into. Some of these things we don't really like a whole lot. Some of these things, it goes against who we are. Some of these things, I've heard people say this before. Well, I've reached a certain age, so I'll say what I want to say. Well... That's the way you feel, then you'll answer for that when you on Judgment Day. I'm, is that okay? If we reach a certain age, well, I'll do what I want to do. I'll go where I want to go. I don't want nobody to tell me what to do. And I understand what you may be saying there. You're a big girl or a big boy. God bless you. <laughs> but there is some things that God would have us as God's people and as Christians that we need to be like. And uh, we need to adhere to those things the best of our ability. Now, we're not perfect. None of us in here are perfect. We're striving to be. And we'll not be perfect until we see Jesus face to face and we hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. All of those things, you know. And, I, and I'm like you. I can't wait for that day. I'm longing for that day. I'm looking forward for that day. But right now, this is where we are. Right now, you're looking at what you get. That's, just, that's as good as it gets. I'm sorry. And so, you know, we, we, we're, we're striving for, for perfection. But here's, here's the thing. James talks about this pure religion. And so he talks about these things that if we're going to really be a disciple of Christ or a sincere follower of Christ and our life wants to be used of God, then we've got to understand that these things really does make a difference. They really do impact who we are and impact our, our uh, relationship on the outside world. It, it, it really impacts who we relate to of, of trying to bring them into Christ. You've heard me say this a thousand times. We can't act one way at church and another way outside of church. We don't need to be that way. We need to be the same all the time and hopefully the same good way all the time. We need to let people see Christ within us. Everywhere, if we're in Walmart, if we're on the street, if we're down the grocery store, whatever the case may be, they need to see Christ in us some way or somehow. There is a reason for you to smile every now and then. There's a reason for you to rejoice every now and then. You're blood-bought. You're part of God's family, amen. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. You're not on your way to hell. You're not in a hospital. You're not in a jailhouse. You're not in the insane asylum tonight. We're here sitting on a pew tonight listening to the Word of God. So we've got reason to rejoice in the midst of, and I understand this, even in the midst of traverse, traversity. Even in the midst of tragedy, even in the midst of all of these, these problems and situations that we have to deal with at times. Even in the midst of old age and, and bones aching and, and you have to rub stuff on them all the time, Sister Carol. You know, you still have a reason to rejoice. I'm going to move on now. One of the foundational things that you and I have to understand is that in Christianity is that there is such a thing as absolute truth. Now we live in a day in a culture that, that people don't feel that way anymore. We can do our own thing. We can say what we want to. We can go our own way and we can make our own decisions and all those kind of things. And I get what they're saying, but there is still is absolute truth. We know that there's an absolute truth. And our life is one that acknowledges and it should acknowledge those absolutes and then we adjust our life according to the Word of God and what God is teaching us. In the book of James, it tells us some things here. You've got you to be, be careful about what you say and when you say it. Be slow to those things. Quick to listen, you know. 
slow to speak, slow to wrath. You've got to listen to those things. And so the Christian life, we, 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 we acknowledge those absolutes and we adjust ourselves. It's not about what you or I think is right. It's about what God says is right. And we follow God. Now, I can give you instruction, and anybody else in here can give you instruction, and a lot of times it'll be truth, and, and you can follow that instruction. But when it gets down to where I'm going to see Jesus face to face, don't listen to everything I say. Follow, back it up with the Word of God. Make sure it lines up with the Word of God. Proverbs 12 and 15 says this, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Proverbs 16 to 25, there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but in the end it leads to death. Now the place in Scripture we are called as Christians to be salt and what? Light. We are to be salt and light in this world. So, so we live in such a way to make folks and people that knows us to make them thirsty for what we know is right. To make them hungry for what we know is the truth. Our life needs to, need to, needs to exemplify the works of Christ so they can see the love of Christ. And I say, hey, look, I don't, I don't understand maybe what you've got, but I want what you got. I, I don't understand it, but I, I really desire, what, how, do you, how do you deal with these things? How do, you, how do you go through what you're going through and you still have a great outlook on life? And we know it's because of Christ. We know it's because of the love of Jesus Christ. We know that he is the author. We know that he is our caretaker. We know that he is our provider. We know in the midst of all of these things, he's going to be the one that takes care of us. We know that in the midst of all of these things, he'll be the one that'll pick us up and lead us in the direction that we need to go, even when we don't even know the direction ourselves. He'll lead us in that direction. So we're called to be salt and light. And so if we do this, we've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to live accordingly to the divine absolutes, as James talks about, found in the Word of God, because it's the Word of God that these truths are given to us. It's the Word of God that we know. There's no, there's no inaccuracy there. There's all, there's all accuracy. There's all truth there. And so if we're going to observe what James calls pure religion, then we've got to respond in a positive way to the Word of God. Not just that, Brother Mike, where, where I like. Because there's some things, I just got to be honest, there's some things in the Word of God I don't like a whole lot. Because it rubs me the wrong way. It, 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 it stretches me a little bit, Sister Jeanette. It, it causes me to go a, a different direction maybe than I want to go. But I found out over, over the course of time, if I listen to the Word, and if I follow the Word, and God is rubbing off some rough edges on me, and He's stretching my tent cords a little bit, and He may make me a little nervous every now and then, that every now and then, Brother Brian, I'll get there if I'll just follow what His Word is telling me to do and listen to the voice of God. And so then, if that's the case, if, if we've got to understand what pure religion is and we've got to respond to the Word of God, so then what is involved then in responding to the Word of God? Now, these are real simple here. But if you want to write them down, you can write them down because we, we tend to overlook it sometimes. The first thing we've got to do in order to do what James says, we, number one, we've got to accept it as an absolute truth, talking about the Word of God. Every, every part of it, from, the, from front to back, even the maps, We've got to accept it as truth. We've got to accept it as an absolute truth. That's the number one principle, the number one principle. There's a guy that gave this. He said, five reasons we ignore the Word of God. This is what he said. He said, number five, we have a dysfunctional relationship with God. We say that we love Him, but we betray that love by ignoring His love letter to us. Number four, he says, we think it's stale and lifeless. 
which reveals more of a problem with the heart of the potential reader than it does with the Bible. The third thing he said, he says, we are undisciplined. We simply do not live intentionally when it comes to reading our Bible and studying what the Word of God says. Number two, he says, we say that it's too hard. Some people find reading the Bible to be difficult, especially when it comes to understanding the ancient customs and practices mentioned in the Bible. And sometimes the difficulty lies in the version that they're reading. That's why it's okay. Now hold on to your seats. It is okay to, 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 to read other than the King James Version every now and then. <laughs> now I know some, we, we have some diehard King James Version folk, and that's okay, that's fine. If you get that, hey. But there's some of that King James Version stuff I just can't get, I'm sorry. I've got to have some life application, and I've got to have some new international, you know. I've got to have some message every now and then, you know. I've just got to read some different versions to understand what the Word is trying to say. And so it's okay to read from different versions from time to time. The first thing that he says in order to accept this and why we ignore the Word of God, he says it makes us uncomfortable. It makes us uncomfortable. This is the reason that no one wants to, to talk about, but everyone needs to come to grips with, he says. He said, we love as people to be comfortable, and the Bible aims to comfort us, but it makes us uncomfortable before it will comfort us at times. Have you ever noticed that before? I've been uncomfortable when I've read the Word of God. I've been uncomfortable before when the preacher's up there preaching, and, and I'm sitting back there, and he hits a nerve that I've got. I've been uncomfortable before when he hits me right square between the eyes and, and I've been involved in something that week that maybe I shouldn't have been involved with and he's, he nails it, you know. I, I, I've, I've, I've experienced that and you have too. And so there's moments that he makes us uncomfortable. But listen to me, church, don't, don't just simply ignore the word because of that. Grow with that. Allow your life to be stretched. Allow your life to grow with the Word of God. So if we engage in Scripture reading, we know that we've been confronted by God. What is God's purpose toward us? He, he, his purpose is to grow us. His purpose is to love us. His purpose is to teach us. And there's times that teaching is hard. There's times that teaching is tough. And we've got to be careful of that. Sometimes it punctures our pride. Sometimes it gets in our way. It unsettles us. And so if we want to preserve that comfortable feeling that we have and protect that, that what we have to know as Christianity, then we must adhere to the Word of God as an absolute truth at times. That's James' emphasis because if you, if you feel conviction through the Word of God, don't, don't fear it. Don't, don't get upset because it's that reason that you feel that. You've got to repent it. Repent and just, and just and follow after the Lord. Be quick to listen to the Word of God. Simply because of the truth of God's Word, it will transform your life, verse 21 says. It'll transform your life. Karen, I don't, my, my watch has stopped up here, so wave your hand at me. I know you won't have a problem doing that when it's time. <clears throat> There's an old saying that said this, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. How many has ever said that before? <laughs> but really, here's what the saying ought to be. If God settled it, said it, then that settles it, whether I believe it or not. <laughs> if God said it, that ought to settle it, whether I believe it or not. And so the real order then is this. God said it, that settles it, and I believe it, period. No matter what. No matter what. So if we're going to live out this Christian life, this pure religion thing, 
And we've got to accept God's word. Number two is this. Not only do we have to accept God's word, we must. Everybody say must. It's one thing to hear the word, right? But it's another thing to do the word. And so we must apply the word in our life. We must apply the word of God in our life. Verses 22 through 27 talks about that. Hearing God's word is not enough. It's wonderful to come and listen to the, the, the Word of God. It's wonderful to be inspired by the Word of God. It's wonderful to come listen to a great orator speak and, and expound on the, on the knowledge and the truths of God. I love doing that. It's one thing to hear the Word. But if I never do nothing with it, then what am I doing? What am I doing? Studying the Word of God even is not enough. The Bible is a book to be read and the Bible is a book to be practiced day in and day out, just as our Lord taught us. Matthew seven twenty four says this, Anyone who hears and obeys these teachings of mine is like a wise person who built his house upon a solid rock. Rains poured down, rivers flooded, winds beat against the house, but it did not fall because it was built on solid rock. Anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey them is like a foolish person who built his house upon the sand. The rain poured down, the rivers flooded, the winds blew, and the beat against the house, and finally, it fell to the ground. Now, I want you to think about that just a second, because this is where we are in our circles, in our church circles today. When we come in on Wednesday nights, and we come in on Sunday mornings, whether we like it or not, we all have that face on. We all have that look, Sister Mary, and we all want people to perceive us a certain way. I want you to perceive me as somebody that's strong in the faith. I'll just use me. Is that all right? I want you to perceive me as somebody that's knowledgeable in the Word of God. I want you to perceive me as somebody that's built, built his house upon a solid rock that's not going to fall, you know, when the winds come. And, and, and several people are that way. But here's the thing. If we do not have the Word of God in our heart, and if we are not applying the Word of God in our heart, the rains will come. And the storms will come, and the floods will come of life, and the winds and the tornadoes of life will come. And you may stand for a little while, but there's coming a time you'll fall. There's coming a time you'll fail. And that's why I say so often, and I, and I, and I, I don't mean to say, I don't, I don't know how I need to say this, I don't mean to negate who we are as Pentecostal people. But that's why I say so often the shout is not going to do it. I love the shout, but it's not going to take you through the storm. Me speaking in tongues 24 hours a day may be wonderful as far as communication between me and God, but it will not take us through the storm. I'm sorry, it won't. But my relationship with God will. When I, when I, when I, when I dig deep and my roots is planted and they grow and they grow deep, in the Lord, let the winds come and let the floods come and let the storms come. And I may sway back and forth spiritually, but I will tell you, my relationship will be solid in Christ because I know who my Redeemer is. I know who is the anchor. I know when my ship is tossed to and fro, I know where my anchor lies. I know where my source lies. It is in Him. And so Matthew says, look, don't, don't be like the foolish person here. So James points out that when, a, when it comes to applying the truth of God's Word, this application here can be made in two ways. The first way it can be made is inwardly. Everybody say inwardly. He uses the illustration here of, of getting ready to face the day. We all done that this morning. They get around, they get in the process, they look in a mirror. 
Looking in a mirror might reveal that they need to comb their hair, they need to put makeup on, they need to brush their teeth. They may reveal a lot of things when they look in the mirror. And if they reveal that, Brother Adam, if, if, if when I look in the mirror, and, and don't laugh when I say this, when I look in the mirror and it reveals that I need to comb my hair. Now, don't laugh, Sister Marion. And I never apply the comb or the brush, Brother Tommy, to my head. Then why did I need to look in the mirror? Why, do we, why, why did I do that in the first place? I'm trying to look to see what it may reveal of things that I need, things that I need to change in my life. But if I'm not willing to apply those changes in my life, I could ask you a series of questions of, about anger issues and frustration issues and, and temperament issues and all of these things, and we would all raise our hand and we would do this and we would do that, and we all know that about ourselves. We know that. Nobody has to tell us. We know these things about ourselves. So if we know those things about ourselves, and we know what's right, we know what's wrong, are we applying what the Word of God says and tells us to apply to our life to make it better, to change who we are, to change our relationship with Christ? And so the, exactly, that's, that's exactly the way about hearing the Word of God. Uh, it is, it's just like so, that, so, so often with so many believers, they hear it, but they don't heed the Word of God. I wonder, I just wonder what the percentage of people sitting in our churches on Sunday morning listening to the Word of God week in and week out, but never change anything. I wonder what the percentage is week in and week out when they listen to the gospel message and they hear the absolute truth or the pure religion of the Word of God, but yet they leave and they never take heed. They never change anything. They just keep on moving, keep on going. I just wonder what that percentage would be. So if the Word of God exposes all of our weaknesses, and it does, if the Word of God exposes our sins and our needs, and if we're to be doers of the Word and not just hearers, and we've got to do something about the sin the Word reveals to us. That's our responsibility. You can't blame anybody else for that. You've heard it. Once you know it, you're responsible for it, right? Once you understand it, you're responsible for it. I mean, there's folks that, that, that was not brought up in church. They don't, they don't know any better. So then the question is, are they responsible for what the Word says? Not until they're taught. And if I teach them and I tell them what the truth is of the gospel, then they take heed to that and they have to change their lifestyle, right? They have to make it about faith. They have to change some things in their life. But if I'm ignorant to the fact and I've never, I've never heard this thing before, how can I know what the real truth is until somebody tells me? And that's up to you and I. We have to tell them with our mouth. We have to show them with our actions. We have, to, we have to speak something positively with love into those people in our life that we're around every day about the Lord Jesus Christ so they, can, they need to see him through us. He's not going to come back down again and, and let people see him face to face like, like he done in biblical times. But they'll, they'll see him through you. You're his hands. You're his feet. You're his mouth. You're the tongue, right? So James, James here gives a, a, a one primary evidence here of this, of this application to the Word. Verse 26, we read, we read about it a few minutes ago about, about keeping rain on our tongue. Keeping rain. I want you to picture your tongue with a little rain on it. Keeping rain on your tongue. Now picture your little tongue with the rain with somebody else have, having the rains. <laughs> well, would you think, do you think they would stop you more than you stop you? Does that make sense? You understand what I'm trying to say? 
I know that's maybe hard to give you a word picture here, but if, you, if you've got somebody else that's having hold of your reins, you've got a bridle in your mouth, your tongue, would somebody else stop you from talking more so than you would talk, stop you from talking? <laughs> James here talks about his, about keeping a rein. Too often we, uh, we want to use our Bible knowledge in ways other than self-application. We'll just talk to where we are as a church. Let me explain what I'm talking about. A lot of times we use our Bible knowledge to teach our neighbors. That's good. But we use it to teach our neighbors even when they don't want to be taught. But we feel like we've got to get the word out. We prefer sometimes to correct our fellow believers because their understanding of the word is not identical to what our understanding is. And we have a we have a, just a strong feeling that I've got to correct you. I've got to correct you with this. And there, there may, may or may not be nothing wrong with that, but if we do it in the right way, it's, it's one thing, and if it's accepted, it's another, it's another thing. But when, you, when, you, when it's not accepted and, you're, and you're, you're being more prideful than what you need to be and you're being, what word am I looking for, maybe boasting or prideful more so than than what you need to be, than holier than thou. Yeah. Uh, what, what is the old saying? Uh, uh, too much heaven to no earthly good. What is that saying? Heavenly minded. Heavenly minded that you know earthly good kind of thing. Then we may need to check ourselves. James talks about this. So there's a proper time for teaching and preaching and even rebuking. But James tells us that the proper application of the word the proper application, and we need to hear this, the proper application of the word first and foremost is to us first, is to you. When I look at the word, when I read the word, when I study the word, I need to apply it to me first, right? I need to apply it to me first. And so we need to use, we need to use the, the revelation that God has given in order to bridle our tongue. Again, if we're quick to listen, we'll be, we'll be slow to speak. But when we do... Uh, we'll say, uh, you know, that we want to bless others with it as well, and it will bless others with it as well. And so Ephesians 4.29 says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Let's read that one more time. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building of others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. If you and I are meditating on the Word of God and we're seeking each and every day to apply the Word of God into our lives, one of the evidences that, that people will see in the case, it'll, it'll simply be that God's truth will shape our speech. It'll shape our talk. You may have grown up in the sense of you say whatever you want to say. And if anybody you know, wants to know how you think and how you feel, just ask you sort of thing. That may be how you, how you grew up, but now that you're a Christian, you're slow to talk, you're quick to listen, and, and when you do talk, you, 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 you really do want to edify the body of Christ. You really do want to build up the body of Christ. You really do want to build up your brother, your brother and sister. Joshua 1 and 8 says this, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you'll be, you may be careful to, uh, to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And so we apply this thing inwardly, but there's another way to apply it is outwardly. 
Not only inwardly, but outwardly. James, uh, verse 27. James says that the second evidence here is that, is that the, of applying God's word is how you and I deal with those strong things about those who are weak in our body. How do we deal with the weak in our body? The Bible calls for the strong to use their strengths to minister to the needs of the weak. And it doesn't say that we're supposed to go over there just because we're strong and pick them up and throw them out of the church. That's not what James is talking about. It doesn't say that we're supposed to use our strength and our Bible knowledge, so to speak, to go and mouth off to somebody and, and let them know how much we know. Are you following me here? That's what James is trying to say. Nothing wrong with understanding and there's nothing wrong with teaching and there's nothing wrong with trying to build up one another. But if I try to build you up because I know more than you know and I'm more prideful than you are and, I, and I'm this and you're that sort of thing and I'm big and you're not sort of thing and, and we think the, the ground is not level at the foot of the cross, then we're totally wrong. Because the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And there is no big eyes and little means, right? Little use. So outwardly, the Bible calls for a strong to use their strength. Psalms 31 and 8 says this, Speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves. We use this scripture a lot when it comes to little babies that's being aborted. They can't speak for themselves. So we speak up for them. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Isaiah 58 and 10 says this, Give your food to the hungry and care for the homeless. Then your light will shine in the dark. Give your food to the hungry and care for the homeless. These are the things that God is, that, that God is wanting us to do. You've heard me say many, many times, I have people all the time come to the office and they need help and, and they'll ask for all kinds of things. Sometimes I'll help them, sometimes I won't. But primarily, almost 100%, I cannot turn any way away that's hungry. I've got to give them something to eat. Got to give them a canned good or take them to McDonald's. Got to you do something. You know what I'm saying? Got to feed them. I got to make sure that their belly is full. And the Lord told us, here, give your food to the hungry and care for the homeless. Then your light will shine in the dark. James here reminds us. He reminds us here that the, of the words of our, of our Lord when it comes to, this, comes to this hearing and studying and memorizing and teaching and preaching. Those all are wonderful things. But if we never apply those things to our lives, then he basically calls us the scribes and the Pharisees because that's, how, that's what we are. That's what we are. Jesus called them a lot of things in the Bible, called them hypocrites, vipers. These were the religious folk. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder what would happen come Sunday morning if Jesus would walk in the building and he would go down each pew and he would come in front of every person and he'd have to put say one word what would he say about you would he say Pharisee or scribe or viper or snake would he, would he, would he say those things I hope not too <laughs> I just wonder what, what would Jesus because see he, he sees the heart he sees all of you he knows all of you he knows all of me he knows us better than we know ourselves. And I, you know, let's just be honest with one another. Sometimes this Christian walk can be tough at times. It can be. But God helps us day by day. God strengthens us day by day. That's why James here said, you know, you gotta, you gotta do this. You remember who James was, right? James was one of these guys, he wasn't a believer when Jesus was walking. He wasn't. 
half-brother of Jesus. He didn't get saved till after the, he left. He'd become a devout follower. So you had to understand he had to go through some things in order to say what he said here, to teach us some things. Give your food to the hungry and care for the homeless. And so when we talk about hearing and studying, memorizing, and teaching, but if we don't apply these things, Matthew 23 and 14, here's the scripture that you remember. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses. For, and for a pretense, you make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Wow. The hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of the scribes and Pharisees would result, as we know it, with condemnation. It would result in Jesus really coming after them, talking to them. If we don't have a problem with hearing God's word, let me leave you with this, with this question here tonight. If we don't have a problem with hearing the word of God, then why do we have a problem heeding the word of God? If we don't have a problem coming and listening to the word of God, and I'm glad that you come. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't want you not to come. Then why do we have a problem heeding to the truth of the gospel? If I don't have a problem, Brother Michael, listening to what the Word tells me, that this is what I need to do day in and day out, then why is it I have a problem combating sometimes what the Word says when it comes against me and it makes me uncomfortable and it rubs me the wrong way? Why do I have a problem heeding the Word of God? Probably one of the greatest failings, I guess, in the American church today is how easy it is for you and I to study our faith versus living out our faith. There's great men and women of our land today that, that loves to study history, loves to study the Word of God. I've watched it on the History Channel just like you have of these biblical shows and they're, they're, they go so in-depth, and it's interesting. It very, it's it's very, very interesting. But yet they're not living out the Word of God. They'll talk about it as a historical thing, and it is, but there's more to it than just history. Man, this is life every day, isn't it? This is fresh every day. This is new every day. When I wake up and you wake up every day in Christ, then we wake up with Him every day, fresh and new, every morning. So the question is, how are we accepting God's word today in absolute truth? And if so, then we've got to adjust our life. And if we're adjusting our life, then we're actively seeking to apply the word of God to our life both inwardly and outwardly as well. James says, here's some, here's some tools I'm going to give you. Here's some nuggets here I'm going to give you. Sometimes they may not be easy to live by, but I promise you, if you'll live by them, in the long run, you'll be strengthened, you'll grow, you'll increase, God will be with you, and you'll be prosperous, you'll do whatever God is asking you to do, and you'll live out to the fullest extent of what God wants you to live out, and you'll be obedient unto Him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We're so thankful for your many blessings upon our life. We're so thankful, God, for your touch upon our life. We're so thankful for the blessing that you've blessed us with each and every day. And I understand sometimes, God, living for you is, and I don't mean this to be in a bad sense, it, it's, it's hard and it's tough at times, especially when it goes against our grind, when it goes against maybe the way that we were brought up, and it goes against maybe how we, how we have viewed things over the course of our life. But God, help us to understand what the truth is. 
Help us to understand the absolute truth and the pure religious religion that you have, you have, you have talked to us about in your word. Religion is one thing. We've got a lot of religious things that's going on in our land today. But God, help us to get it right. Help us to follow after you. And Lord, I know and I believe with all of my heart that if we can do this, if we can do this, you'll lead us in the right direction. You'll point us in the way that we need to go. You'll help us. We'll be checked each and every time that we mess up, maybe with, a, with an anger issue or an attitude issue, whatever the case, you'll check us. And God, it's at that moment that we've got to make the decision to apply the Word of God, those things that we've heard, those things that we've read, those things that we've studied, then we get the opportunity to apply the Word of God in our hearts and in our life and make the adjustments that, that is needed. In Jesus' name we pray. Help your people to do that. In Christ's name, amen.